and welcome to our second annual Becky and Marie's 12 Fears of Christmas. I'm Becky and I'm looking at Marie eating a bagel, eating a breakfast sandwich across the Zoom. We are continuing the 12 fears from last year and moving it on to fear number 13, 14, 15. I don't know how many we're going to do this year. We're just going to keep adding on. Fears of Christmas. Hmm. The unending continuous fears of Christmas. Yes, the infinity fears of Christmas because you, you just don't have that many days of Christmas and there's too many fucking horrible things to fear. Mm-hmm. Too much shit to fear this time of year. What are you fearing today, Becky? I am fearing something I always fear, which is creepy disappearances. And we've done a few episodes of creepy disappearances, but this one is close to home and it is Christmas related. Are you familiar, Marie? with the Fort Worth Three. I'm not. This story is one that I can't believe that I didn't grow up hearing about. The event happened on December 23rd, 1974 in Fort Worth, Texas. Now this source is from missingtrio.com, but they reposted an entire article that is so well-written, so beautifully written from the Star-Telegram, January of 2000. So December 23rd, there are three girls, 117, 114, and 119, who lived in the same neighborhood in Fort Worth. And the older one, even though she was only 17 and she was still in high school, she was married. Did you ever know anybody in high school who was already married? I, I didn't. I don't know. Maybe it was a thing in 1974. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So the oldest girl, 17, her name is Rachel Arnold Trick. T-R-L-I-C-A, which is an interesting spelling. So I'm going to say Trilica, Trilica. Rachel Trilica, 17, picked up her 14-year-old friend, Renee Wilson. And Renee was dating a 15-year-old boy across the street. His name was Terry. And he had just given her a promise ring. How cute is that? And there's a little girl named Julianne Mosley who lived across the street from Renee's grandmother and begged to go along. Originally, Julianne's mom said no, but she begged and begged and begged, didn't want to sit around the house by herself all day. And so around noon, these three girls head to this mall that was apparently a pretty glitzy mall back in the day named Seminary South. Um, Okay, so here's kind of a timeline of that day. Around noon, the girls set off for the mall, but they stopped. How 70s is this? They stopped at the Army Navy store to pick up a pair of jeans one of the girls had on layaway. Remember layaway? Yeah. And so then they went to the mall and they were supposed to be home around four because one of the girls wanted to go to a party and she wanted to start primping for that party that night. And they didn't come home. The parents started getting home from work around five and six o'clock and their kids weren't home. And they finally were like, this is a problem. So some of the parents and family members went to the mall to try and you know, find what was going on. And that day, they already found the car that they had driven in, in the mall parking lot. It was still in the Sears parking lot. And there was Christmas presents in the back of the car. So they know that they were in the mall, got some Christmas presents that were wrapped, put them in the car, and they have never been seen again. That was it. Never, never, ever. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. So the families called the police and the police initially said, oh, they must have run away. And here's part of why that's the case. So this is where the story really is icky and oogie. The very next day, the young husband of the 17-year-old, Rachel, received a letter in the mail that had been mailed the day before that was purportedly from his wife. 
His name is Thomas, but she always called him Tommy. Well, the letter was addressed to Thomas and misspelled her own name in her signature. And it said, we just needed a break. We're going to Houston. By the way, the car is in the Sears parking lot. Now let's talk through this. If you're going to run away, do you leave your car behind? Right? You've got two people with you. Suppose you wanted to run away. Are you just going to say we all are going to hitchhike? Where did they go from that mall? So right? it was a 17 year old, remind me again. 17, 14, and nine. Okay. And they were all from this little area. This wasn't like um, they were transient, you know, where they tended to go place to place. They all lived in that same little neighborhood. Um, they all had parents and family and friends and boyfriends and husbands, you know. And then the little girl was only nine. I mean, you don't run away with a nine year old when you're 17. That's just insane. That's just, come on. So. Well, in a lot of cases, I kind of wonder, like, when you have multiple people, because we've talked on the show before, where even you have a man and a woman that get kidnapped. But in this particular instance, you got a 17-year-old girl with two young girls. I could definitely see how someone with a weapon could kidnap the three of them. Same That's here. not uh, crazy to me. Like, Unfortunately, it's not that difficult if you really just think you're appealing to, let's say the 17 year old, I aim the gun at the nine year old and say, if you don't come with me, I'm the shooter. You're going to go with them. You are compliant because you want to save the life of the little girl. It's just something that it's just human nature. And there were only two like rumored sightings of them that day in the mall or rumored sightings of them getting taken. One person was a store clerk who had a woman tell her, oh, I saw them get into a van, but they never could find that witness. The clerk didn't know her name. And then another person said that they saw them getting shoved into a pickup truck, but they were never able to track down any leads on this. And so the only thing that has happened in this case in all these years, how many years is that? Almost 50, right? We're coming up on 40 something, you know, almost 50 years is in 2018, there was a guy who was a, um, like a search diver expert guy. And he had a team of people that agreed to search a certain lake in and around the area. And they found three vehicles in this lake, which here, think about if you drain a lake, what the fuck you're going to find, you know, how many cars and bodies and whatever. They did find three vehicles, but none of them had to do with this case. There was a body of a young girl and an older girl found separate case, didn't have anything to do with any of them. Renee's brother has hired private investigators over the years. And one of them did something that I cannot fathom. He had extensive research into the case. He got police reports. He tracked down all these people that might know people and blah, blah, blah. Well, he died. And upon his death wishes, every single piece of evidence he had in any case he'd ever investigated was destroyed. Why? That makes no sense. Isn't that awful? Yeah. Isn't that awful? Yeah. Well, imagine the treasure trove of anything that you could have gotten out of that for any case he'd ever worked on. To me, that is unconscionable. Why would you order that when you're not even around anymore? Let people continue your investigation. Yeah. And like if I were that brother who had hired him, that would make me, I don't even know. Like that makes me so angry just thinking about that for him. You know, what level of asshole are you that you do that? Um, but the lake thing is really interesting to me because Curtis knows somebody who this happened to. This guy's father was retiring and he had left work after partying with the people he worked with because he worked there for so long. And he drove off 
and never made it home and was never, ever seen again. It was like a couple decades later that they found his car with his body in it in a lake that was in between his work and his home. And so when you were driving down this road, apparently if you go a little bit off and you don't make the bridge, there's a ramp and you just drive right into the lake. And then he'd had a couple of cocktails at his retirement party. And they think that he just, and he was, you know, off the face of the earth like that. And they never searched that particular area. I don't know why, but they finally found him years and years and years later. And his whole family was like, where the fuck has he been? And that's where he was the whole time. I wondered, I do wonder sometimes how much that kind of stuff happens. You know, like a girl goes missing hiking. I've said this before about myself, you know, I could imagine that I just like go over the side of the the cliff and everyone thinks, you know, something nefarious happened and I just slipped. There's one, there's one uh, case like that recently where a woman and her dog fell and they didn't know what had happened to her. They thought, you know, something could have happened that was terrible, but they found her at the bottom of a ravine and she'd just done that. She'd just fallen. Or like the woman that went missing in Malignant. Maybe nobody would have found her strapped to the roof in her parasitic twin daughter's house, you know? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Parasitic twin daughter? (laughs) Oh my God, Malignant. Every time I try to forget that movie, it just comes back. Oh my Lord. Yeah, like that's uh sorry (laughs) okay i'm just gonna give me nightmares just because it was so bad yeah um but this is one of many holiday disappearances there was a houston woman who disappeared on thanksgiving they did find her body and her husband was responsible for that there's a guy and i want to cover this case because there's a lot of these there's a guy on halloween who was at a bar with his friends who disappeared just poof, thin air, just gone. Like a grown adult human male guy just disappeared. Things like this, where people are there one second and gone the next, is so confounding to me. It's really like, I don't like stories with no resolution, but I can't get enough of them either, you know? Well, would you like to hear a story of a bad guy that disappears? Always. On Christmas? Yes. This one was really strange to me. So this is allthatsinteresting.com. There's a bunch of articles about it, but there's this guy called Lester Eubanks. He sounds like somebody who is on a a game show host. Game show host. Right? (laughs) Lester Eubanks. Lester Eubanks. (laughs) Come on down or something. I don't know. That's funny. Yeah, okay. It's like there's that. And then you find out he's also a, a child rapist murderer. So. Oh, well. Lester is an unfortunate name, but anyway. He's literally Lester the molester. He's literally Lester the molester. Lester was serving a life sentence for the murder of 14-year-old Mary Ellen Diener. Okay. November 14th, 1965, Mary Ellen Diener and her younger sister, 12-year-old Brenda Sue, were doing laundry. They were at a laundromat and out of change. So Diener walked to another laundromat for nickels and dimes and Eubanks just happened to be there. Oh my um, God, I think I know this story. He, I know this crime, but I don't know about him. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, He sexually assaulted her and apparently she fought back very aggressively and this upset him. So he picked up a brick off the ground and beat her to death with the brick. Oh, well then, sure. 
Uh, you could just not rape her, but otherwise, I right. get that logic. He confessed to the murder the following day, and he was charged with first-degree murder, uh, rape, and he tried to plead insanity, but it didn't work out for him. So his sentence was commuted to life in prison without parole when the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in 1972 found the death penalty unconstitutional. So he fell into that, that whole thing. Yeah. But anyway, in an interesting turn, I guess Lester was like a model citizen in prison. Oh, because there were no children to rape, huh? Yeah. He was a great guy in prison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in 1973... The state penitentiary granted him a furlough to go shopping at the local mall. Does that make any sense? Why? They gave him furlough to go Christmas shopping. A convicted rapist murderer. A child murderer. Is that the craziest thing you've ever heard? Are these the same people who decided that Kenneth McDuff needed to get out of prison even though he'd raped and murdered three people? So he was asked to meet back at a specific time and place near the Oh, hey, rapist. When he was a child murderer. Can you do me a big favor and just meet me back here at this entrance at noon, if you don't mind? Yeah. So they let him go at the mall by himself and shocker, he vanished. And he hasn't been seen since. Ever. Ever. Jesus Christ. He must have had help, right? It says here, how a convicted killer so easily escaped prison and where he might be today has become fodder for unsolved mysteries. The Netflix series second season aims to probe every detail of the case, which has only gained more steam the longer Lester Eubanks has been on the run. I missed that one. I haven't seen that episode either. I need to go back and look at that. That is crazy. I cannot. Oh, okay. Yeah. What year was that? 1973, Lester Eubanks escaped from prison. He was incarcerated for life without parole in 1966. So he had gone to jail in 1966. And in 73, after years of being a model citizen in the prison, he got the Christmas shopping furlough. I'm trying to figure out why they have that program, right? That's crazy. I was wondering that, like, why does a prisoner need to go shopping for anything? It's not like he's going to Christmas parties and has to do a white elephant exchange, you know? By the time Lester murdered Melianne Diener, he had already committed a series of sexual offenses. But Maybe was... he made his way down to Texas and that Christmas he kidnapped the Fort Worth Three, you know? I mean, Jesus, dude, can we stop letting rapists and murderers out of prison? Rapists do not stop. Ever, they never stop. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. there's so, our episode of. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should check out this unsolved mysteries because apparently he's on the 15 most wanted list. They have an enhanced photo of what he would look like now. It says, for 47 years, he's now being sought in Los Angeles. Convicted child killer Lester Eubanks of Mansfield is being sought in Los Angeles. Maybe he's trying to be a game show host in LA. <laughs> well, um, okay, so that was our Becky and Marie's second annual 12 Fears of Christmas, fear number 14. Yeah, that you might go missing <laughs> or that you might run into a rapist that's on furlough for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. How about, how about that? So wait, this is our second shopping related episode of Christmas fears. The first one is you could get trampled. Right. And this one is you could go missing or get raped and kidnapped or murdered by the fucking psychotic child raper. Right. 
Um, okay, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh,